0: Well, we're moving all kinds of stuff around. We've got things on the platform that don't go here and other things that do go here. Hopefully, you think I go here right now because we're going to take some time and study God's Word. I would like to give you a little bit of a preview. We will be returning. I won't wait until January to get into our next series. I'm going to begin um, a week or two weeks from today, so I think it's Jan- or December 30th. And we're going to be jumping right into the ministry of Christ. If you've been around Calvary for some time, you might remember that we've um, taken the ministry of Christ in small chunks. Uh, we started with when he, his first miracle, and this was years ago. We started this series, and we've spent anywhere between a month and four months on the ministry of Christ. And then we'll break and go through a book like Ephesians or 1 Peter or Acts and um, we're going to come back to the ministry of Christ two weeks from today, and we're going to camp out there for quite some time. I'm not sure what your experience is with reading God's word, but if you're like me, when you come across those sections where Jesus Christ is ministering and he's teaching, those letters in red, they're just, there's just something sweet and special about those, aren't there? It's like nobody could have possibly said it better than Jesus said it. And so we're going to be juvenile. I'm not sure exactly where we're at. Maybe around John chapter six, I think is close to where we left off. And of course, we don't just stay in one book. We, I use all four of the uh, gospels to go through the ministry of Christ. And hopefully it will be a blessing to you as we start two weeks from today. Of course, a week from today is our Christmas cantata, which hopefully will be a blessing. Would you bow with me in prayer one more time? Heavenly Father, we would come to you with an understanding that we are so limited. We need you. We need your word. We need each other in a local church. We praise you for our weaknesses. We would say, like the Apostle Paul, I rejoice in my weaknesses because it is in those weaknesses that we are driven to the cross. And I would ask that in my weaknesses as a human, as a speaker today, that very much so the Holy Spirit would be clearly present teaching. We thank you for the Holy Spirit within the believers that are here. We thank you for the promise that those who want wisdom and ask for it, you will freely give it. So we ask for that during this time now. Bless the teaching of your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen there are a number of stories that stand out in history about the world champion fighter Muhammad Ali. There was one stewardess on an airplane that had the task of trying to attend to the champ, and she faced a problem with him because as Muhammad Ali got on the airplane and as he found his seat, he did not put his seatbelt on. And so she had the job of going to him and saying, Mr. Ali, I need you to put your seatbelt on. To which he looked her in the eye and said these words Superman don't need no seat belts, just like that. Well, it was pretty quick how she responded because she looked at him and she, in the same tone, said, Superman don't need no plane, just like that. (laughs) You know, it is true that the best of men are still men at best. All of us have our weaknesses the champ himself would have had his weaknesses and even he had to obey. The, I'm not sure how that story ends, but I'm assuming he put on his seatbelt. Even individuals that we look up to, individuals that might appear to have it all together, everyone has their weaknesses. When we come to the Christmas story and we come to the character Joseph, Jesus' Jesus's adopted father, We don't see too much that's negative about him there's quite a bit to admire about him but i would suggest to us that even joseph had his weaknesses what do you think those might have been sometimes we look at our own weaknesses and think well maybe he had something that i have you think joseph was a procrastinator you know you think that was part of his life do you think joseph was sloppy you know didn't wipe his feet before coming into the house after he and mary were married What might have been his strengths? What might have been his weaknesses? I want to key in on one area that is a strength of Joseph today, but it's going to help each and every one of us with what might be a weakness in our own lives. I want to suggest to us today that Joseph had a lesson to teach all of us in the area of trusting God. And that's what our passage is going to teach us today. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. This quality in Joseph, this quality of trust, this is something that each of us can learn so much from this gentleman about. You see, when Joseph, and we're going to look at the story, and there's not a ton about him, and of course Mary stays on the scene much longer than Joseph does when we read the account in God's Word, but when we see Joseph, we need to understand that there was an incredible gift that was placed before him. But he had to move forward to accept that gift. I want to suggest to you that this occasion that we join together, this time of year we get together in church, we get together on Christmas Eve for a special service, we get together for parties. This time of year that we look forward to, and we can look at it with twenty twenty vision, Joseph this was an incredible gift that was coming to him, but can I suggest that it might not have looked near as nice to him? Can I suggest that this incredible gift that was before Joseph was something that he could not recognize the beauty of it when it first came up, when it first came up. This was definitely a gift that would get better with time. And for you and I, I think that there's an obvious lesson here. I think that we can look at life, at some of the blessings in retrospect, and I would suggest to you that oftentimes we do more praising to God for those gifts, for those blessings in retrospect. Because sometimes when it's sitting right in front of you, when you've received the phone call, and it sounds like nothing but bad news to you, or a dark season of life that's coming up. Many of you have learned the lesson that you can get down the road a little ways and you can actually praise God for that gift. It's difficult to recognize, though. Sometimes God can gift us and you won't feel very gifted. Have you experienced that? Sometimes the gift can come and you think, maybe God you know, forgot about this day. You think that God has some kind of a plan that is not the best plan. And many have learned that initially when God gives a gift, it does not cause gratitude. And I can speak from experience some of the things that have come my way that now I look back and I praise God for them. And yet when they were there, there were tears that were coming. Confusion and chaos this is oftentimes the initial response to some of the gifts from God. We can look back in retrospect at this story of the birth of Christ. We can look back at our own lives in retrospect. Now, when you look at Joseph, honestly, wouldn't you think that this idea, that Joseph is being given this wonderful gift, here's, a, here's an affirmation that's incredible, I mean, how many guys and girls wish they had this kind of affirmation today? You're, f- you're familiar with the term cold feet. So when someone's about to get married, sometimes they'll get nervous, they might want to back out. We say they've gotten cold feet. Can you imagine being Joseph and getting, to, getting this understanding that God had chosen the exact same woman that he had chosen? God chose this woman to bear the Messiah. This was the woman that he had chosen. It should be clear immediately how wonderful this was. The fact that God set aside Mary should confirm for Joseph that this was truly a virtuous woman and put any doubts out of his mind. For Joseph, this gift was one that would get better with time. I've asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 18 and go down through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Perhaps when we see this gift, we're only able to see it in a way that we're singing about it, and we are rejoicing. But I want to suggest to us that this was a process for Joseph, maybe to better communicate my message, I should put it this way. It's not so much that we fear the gift from God, but sometimes we fear the wrapping paper that the gift comes in. Does that make sense? Sometimes God gives us incredible gifts and the wrapping paper might be something that would frighten us quickly away. God's greatest gifts are oftentimes wrapped in heartache. God's greatest gifts to you are sometimes wrapped in, In failure. And what we have is a God that can take that heartache and that failure and that chaos, and God can bring that into something that is so beautiful. It's likely that when you're in the middle of it, you might not be able to see it. Can you imagine Joseph? And here he gets this dream, he's obedient immediately. But if he's a thinking man, which I think he was, he's got to be fast-forwarding to six months down the road, three years down the road, his next family reunion, all these things that are taking place. And I imagine he was not able to see them very clearly. Great gifts from God can sometimes be wrapped up in getting fired from a job. Great gifts from God can sometimes be wrapped up in a rejection from a person or from something that you thought was the key to your happiness. If you were paying attention while we read the text, what was the very first thing that the angel said to worried Joseph? The angel said, Fear not, do not be afraid. Fear not's the old King James Version, and it rolls off the tongue for me a little bit easier. Fear not, Joseph. You know, fear is powerful. I want to suggest to you that fear is so powerful that it can cause grown men and women to stop in their tracks, to not move forward, sometimes to not even want to get out of bed the next day. Have you ever had that kind of fear grip your heart? The Word of God teaches us several lessons, and I think that we learn from Joseph how he dealt with fears. And if we can understand some of the reasons why Joseph might have feared, some of the things that were ahead of him that he had to deal with, and he did deal with them well, then perhaps we can apply those lessons to our own lives. Can I suggest to you that God might have an incredible gift, and it's just down the road for you, but it might come disguised as something that you think is a mistake or is sin or is painful. We're going to look at three of these fears. The first one is the fear of perception, the fear of perception, or should I say the fear of misperception. What are people going to think of me if I do this? What are people going to think about my family? Was this something that Joseph faced? A fear of being perceived in the wrong way? Absolutely. There was a stigma that would be put on Joseph and Mary as they got married. Because in our day, word travels fast when there's a juicy bit of information. And back in Joseph's day, word traveled fast when there was a juicy bit of information. You see, there was a stigma that was there. He had to think, what are my business associates going to think? What is my family going to think? My close-knit community, what are they going to think? And the wonderful lesson that we have is that Joseph saw the command from God and what was he, obedient or disobedient? Immediately he obeyed we find that Joseph immediately does exactly what God tells him to do. Verse 24 of Matthew 1 says, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Can I suggest to us today that we need to be more concerned with what God thinks of us than with what those around us think of us? I understand there's two sides to that coin and I can give you the Bible verses that say a good name is, more to, is, is to be chosen more than great riches, right? We need to have a good reputation. I oftentimes will use that Bible verse when I'm speaking a funeral about someone who's lived a life well. And it's good to have a good reputation. It's important for us to remember that people are watching what we are doing, listening to what we are saying. There's an old expression that says, your true character is revealed when no one is watching. And that's very true. But the challenge that I want to give to us today is to allow your true character to be revealed when everyone is watching, but nobody is doing the right thing. If I could take you into your memory banks, some of you that have been around the block a few times, a time when you chose to do right, Maybe to not participate in that conversation that was not God-honoring. Maybe not to um, go down that road that people were wanting you to go down. Maybe an opportunity at work to be dishonest, and everybody was doing it, including your boss. And yet you had to make a conscious decision when everybody else was doing something different, you would choose to do right. And one of the biggest fears that would keep us from that is the fear of perception. They're going to think that you are a prude. A goody-two-shoes, we used to say when I was a kid. I can remember a guy in the soccer field telling me that years ago, "Ah, Jeremy, you've not become a goody-goody, have you? And that's not not, not a very wide vocabulary that guy had, you know, a goody-goody. But I can remember just thinking of all the individuals that I was not going to have as close of a friendship with if I made certain decisions to do what is right. When we go through life, there are so many opportunities to do right and to be seen by others. Let me mention one small one. Oftentimes, we get opportunity to be out in a public place, in a restaurant, and we have opportunity to, in front of sometimes dozens of people, close our eyes and bow our heads and acknowledge God as the one who has provided that food for us it's a step it's not difficult it doesn't cost you anything but how many times have you seen an individual just do a little you know nod and almost act like he's checking something on his shirt and then he lifts his head up and that was his prayer now i'm not telling you that when you go out this afternoon you've got to get the whole table on their knees you know in the restaurant that's not what i'm saying but I'm suggesting to you that you have an opportunity to stand up and to do something that can be viewed by others. And some of you already have the understanding that oftentimes it's more of a blessing than it is a negative. Do you know that so often we fear the perception of others when really there's nothing to fear? I was out with my son this past week and we were at a restaurant and we bowed our heads and, and he asked the blessing for the food. And as I was walking back to the table a little while later, the couple right next to us, they bowed their heads and they praised God for their food. And the first question that came to my mind was, is where do they go to church? I love that. It's a small thing. It's not asking a lot. And yet so many of us are afraid of being perceived as something that we think others might not like. You and I need to have the moral courage to stand up and to do what is right, even when it is different from those that are around us. So number one, the fear of perception. Number two is the fear of provision. Did Joseph have a fear of his provision being affected if he moved forward with what God told him to do? The text tells us that he was going to put her away quietly. He was going to get divorced, call off the engagement, which was, I think, a legal process at that point. Could, did he have something to worry about? Joseph's livelihood was that he was, he was a builder. We find one, um, um, one word in the New Testament that says he was a carpenter. But if you have opportunity to go over to the Holy Lands, you will find that it's not a land like ours. They're not surrounded by trees and forests and woods. It's a land that is surrounded by rocks. If you get an opportunity to go there um, and you have the same... Um, Uh, tour guide that we had who was a believer, he told us there's a good possibility that Jesus was not one who worked with wood, but Jesus was actually one that would have worked with stones. The word builder or the word craftsman is what the Bible calls him, and he could have been a mason very much so. Now, we're distracting a little bit. Let's get back to the point. Do you think that Joseph's job could be affected? If he wakes up from that dream and says yes lord i will obey absolutely it was a different place than we live in those communities individuals that can take their money somewhere their business somewhere and very much so he had a lot to lose if it was thought that he and mary were a horrible couple and so joseph is stepping out on faith he could have allowed mary to go through that judgment alone but he did not. And I think that as Joseph is looking forward, he trusts God for his provisions. And if he was one counting the cost, he might think, I'm probably going to lose that customer. I might not get this job here. Oh, maybe we'll have to move. And as he's counting the cost, I don't think that he had a list of the pros on this side and the cons on this side. I think he had one list. I think it said this, God said to do this, and Joseph obeyed. So when you're in doubt, and God's word is clear, obey, and then trust God. Don't you know if I obey the cost that will come? Don't you know the different things that I can do? I can, I can use these different things for good if I just forget about this command that God has given you know, if Joseph was in our day and given a task like this, he would, have been, he would have been able to give us Bible verses for why he was not doing what God said to do. And I don't mean in a correct way. That's what we do. God said to do something. I can give you all kinds of Bible verses for something different. We're very creative with the written word of God. You can also go to a person. You can go to enough people until you find somebody who agrees with you. I'm going to talk in just a little bit about making sure that you have others around that fear God, that are influencing you. It is true that wherever God guides, God will provide. I have some friends um, very close with, and years ago they stepped out on faith and he left a secure job that he had, a weekly paycheck that was steady, to start his own business. And it was difficult. And it was a step of faith, as I said, And as I talked to this couple, the wife has told me, who was a big part of this, she said, there is no way in the world that we're going to take this step unless we are giving God the first 10% of everything back, everything that comes in. We're going to give the first 10% to our church. And when I was talking to them after they had started the business and had good success She very much so pointed that out. She wasn't bragging about her giving. She was just saying, there's no way in the world we would move forward without being obedient to giving back to God. You see, they recognize that God is the one that gave us all of it. We are just stewards, and God does have a desire for us to be faithful in giving back to him. If you make such a decision, you will learn that God rewards obedience. It is so wonderful to understand that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as the old song goes, that God can give you more, He can take it away, and even if He takes it away, we say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And too often, we've not learned this lesson in the right way. People think, well, if I don't give, then something's going to go wrong. The church will run out of money now there is no doubt that the church works with a budget there's an expectation of individuals that follow god but you're missing the point if you think that god cannot get his work done through the church if you stop giving or if you don't give then you're really missing the point now i want to encourage you that you can be a part of something joining together to impact the world we prayed for the offering earlier and we mentioned that but Is it all going to fall apart if they don't have my check? A few weeks ago, I found something in a coat pocket. This was actually a few months ago. I found it in a coat pocket. I went to put on a sport coat that I had not worn for some time, and I reached in, and I grabbed something that looked like this. It's an offering envelope. I was kind of surprised to see it there, and I opened it up, and you know what was in there? There was a check in there that I had put in there to give to the church. And quite a few weeks before, I had forgotten. Sometimes it gets a little busy up here on the platform. Sometimes I'll be able to throw my envelope right in the offering plate. Sometimes I forget. And I had the opportunity to look back and to say, did things fall apart at the church because I didn't give my envelope that week? Now some of you are saying, you don't give that much, pal. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) The point is this. When we come to God there is a major part that he wants to be a part of our lives, and that is coming to him with worship. You see, when we take the offering, that is a part of worship here at Calvary. That's not because things are going to fall apart if you don't give yours. That's not what it is. God owns everything. God gives you an opportunity to worship him by giving back just a small portion of what he's given to you. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of following God. And God is always faithful. I talked to an individual years ago, brand new Christian, and he was introduced of this, to this idea of tithing. And he said, I cannot imagine this. And I was talk, looking at him and looking at his credit card debt that he and his family had accumulated. And I said, well, let's, let's get a good look at this and let's see what might be God honoring as you start out your Christian walk. Let me suggest to you young people. This is so much easier if you start out when you're young. If you start to give 10% or whatever to God when you're young, when you only make 100 bucks a month, well, that's pretty easy. You fast forward a few years, and then you're making $100,000 a year. That's a lot of money to give to the Lord. How can you possibly do that? If you started out giving a certain percentage... It's easy. You've always just lived on that 90% or 85% maybe, whatever it might be for you. I don't want to talk about giving too much, and we're not even going to talk about the wise men who brought those gifts today, but my point is some of you have yet to experience the gift of worshiping God through faithful, consistent giving. Joseph was going to have his income affected, the fear of provision. And then last is the fear of providence. The fear of providence. If you go with me, then I will go. These are famous words that are used by individuals all throughout the Bible. I will go if you go with me. Jacob, in the book of Genesis, when he's running for his life from his brother Esau, who he had deceived a couple times, he's running for his life and he has that dream out in the wilderness where the angels are going up and down that ladder to heaven. And as he has that dream and God tells him what he wants him to do as he's going to find his wife, Jacob responds by saying, if God will be with me. And I don't want you to judge him too quickly because I want to say to you that is perfectly fine for you to give that same prayer. God wants you to do something Say, I will do it if God will be with me. Now, you're not daring God. You're not speaking out of place. You're not speaking in arrogance. What you are doing is you are claiming the promises of God's word. I will go if God will go with me. It happened to Moses, Exodus chapter 33, where he said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses was looking at these two to three million people pulling them out of Egypt and taking them into a wilderness where there was no water and no food. But Moses was not afraid to go if God was with him. Joseph could have stopped to accept this incredible gift that was coming to him if he did not understand God's providence. God was in control. Did you see Any verse that made you think that Joseph understood that God would be with him through this process, did you catch it in our text? It came in the form of a name that Jesus is called. It says, when he was born, they named him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. What a reassurance. He would move forward, even if he lost his business, even if he lost his standing in the community, even if he was outcast by his family, he could move forward and do what God told him to do because God was with him. Psalm 23 is a favorite of so many friends of mine where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. And so, if Joseph would have chosen to give in to the fears that were there. Very much so, he might have missed out on these shepherds who come scurrying along, and they tell this story about how they were out in the field, and the angel appeared to them, and then there was a multitude of angels, and they're probably shaken, and they're just thinking nobody's going to believe them. And Joseph would have missed out on that wonderful favorite Christmas story that I'm sure got told over the years. If Joseph would have given in to the fears, he may have missed out on the blessing of of receiving the visiting wise men that were bringing gifts to the king of the world. Fear not, Joseph. And I think that God would tell each and every one of us when he is directing us, when he is guiding us, when he has told us clearly what he wants us to do, do not be afraid. All right, what can we do? with this? Well, first of all, shake off the fear of perception. Shake off the fear of perception in your life. Be more concerned about what God thinks of you than with what your neighbors think of you. Do what's right. Next, walk by faith in order to combat the fear of provision. Now, that's a little bit of a tricky one there. Walking by faith, I mean, that's implied. You're doing something that you're not sure how it's going to go. You're leaning on God to make it right. And sometimes we have to step out on faith. We see a God who has never one time failed to keep his promise. And so we step out and walk by faith. And then finally, study those who have learned to not fear God's providence. And I give you two different roads to go down for this. Number one, study those in God's word. Who trusted that he was in control, who did right even when it was hard, individuals like Joseph. But then, can I push you a little bit further and ask you to have someone in your life or multiple individuals in your life who trust God's providence? They have a story they can tell about how God provided when it seemed impossible, about how they did what was right. Surround yourself with good counselors. Surround yourself with those who love God. And there's two ways to approach all three of these. One is is to have all these fresh. So I'm not going to worry about what folks think about me for the first time. I'm going to walk by faith and trust that God's going to meet my needs for the first time I'm going to step out on faith. Or I'm going to um, trust God's providence for the first time. But then there's also those that have been walking with Christ for quite some time. And here's what you've done. You've been able to see God provide. You've been able to see God obedient to what his word says because God cannot lie. You've been able to see a God who has never once left any one of his children, every one of you. You have never, ever been alone. And so like Jacob of old and like Moses and like Joseph, we can move forward with an incredible confidence not because of your big muscles, not because of your big brain, not because of the security that you have built up somewhere. We move forward with confidence because we have Emmanuel who is God with us. And with this, We can be stewards of the years that God has given us and move forward with confidence. Now, Some people might watch you, and they might be confused. And others might watch you, and they might be inspired. God came. God was born. God grew up. And God the Son died on a cross for the sins of humanity. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, He did not... Take you to be with him immediately in heaven. He has you here for a reason. I'm going to repeat that. God has you here for a reason. Seek out what it is and then walk in faith in honoring him and knowing him. And in case you didn't have any Christmas presents coming to you this year, take this wonderful knowledge that you have God with you. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, it truly is a beautiful thing to know you, to know the wonderful plan that you have given of your salvation, to know how you never leave us. God, oftentimes our eyes are, it seems like they're blocked. We're looking through a fog. We can't see what you're doing. Would you allow us to lean in a heavy way on you, God, when we don't know? Would you allow us to praise you? Turn that prayer list into our praise list when we can turn around maybe months down the road, maybe years down the road, and say, look at what God was able to do. I thank you that Joseph stepped out on faith, and I thank you that he was able to turn around when he got down the road and see exactly what you were doing. I look forward to talking with him someday about it in heaven. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm going to ask Ron to play through a stanza on the piano. As he's playing, this is an opportunity for you to pray. I don't know everybody here today. It could be that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. What I mean by that is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the punishment of sinners like you. And if you will ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive you and make you his child the Bible's clear about this. Maybe today would be the day of your salvation. What a wonderful Christmas gift that would be this season. Maybe God has worked on you in some other way. Maybe trusting his providence or trusting his provision. Maybe not worrying about what others around you think when it comes to doing right. Take just a moment while the piano plays to